Welcome to the 10-Minute Medic. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Young. This podcast is built for the busy paramedic student, where we take one topic, we focus in on it for about 10 minutes, and we see what we can come up with. This week's episode is entitled RSV. It's not just for children anymore. As a paramedic, it's crucial to understand the pathophysiology, symptoms, and treatment of respiratory illnesses like RSV. RSV is a common viral infection, especially among infants and young people, but it can affect people of all ages, especially those above the age of 70. Paramedics play a vital role in identifying and providing initial care to patients with RSV. This podcast will outline the pathophysiology, symptomology, and appropriate treatments for patients with RSV. RSV is a virus that primarily affects the respiratory tract and can cause a wide range of symptoms, from mild cold-like symptoms to severe respiratory distress. The pathophysiology of RSV can be summarized as follows. Got to remember, RSV is highly contagious. It spreads through respiratory droplets that are expelled when a person sneezes or coughs. You can also contact the disease if you touch a contaminated surface where it can live for many hours. Now, it can survive on your hands for up to 30 minutes. The survival time of the uh, RSV virus on hard surfaces de- varies depending upon several factors, and these include environmental conditions such as temperature and humidity. Here are some of those factors that can influence how long RSV can last on a hard surface. RSV tends to survive longer at lower temperatures. In warmer conditions, such as room temperature or above, its survival time is considerably shorter. Higher humidity levels can help to reduce the survival time of RSV on surfaces. However, on the other hand, dry conditions tend to favor its presence. The type of surface can also impact the virus's survival. Porous surface areas may trap the virus, making it much harder to remain viable compared to non-porous surfaces. Regular cleaning and disinfection of surfaces with an appropriate disinfectant can significantly reduce the viability of the virus. Another reason why disinfection of your ambulance is critical to stopping or slowing the spread of this, as well as other diseases. The initial amount of virus present on the surface known as virus load can affect its survival. A higher viral load may persist longer than a lower one more of the virus is able to to survive. The attachment and entry process of RSV into the human body involves several steps. RSV primarily infects the respiratory tract, as we talked about earlier, targeting epithelial cells in the upper and lower airways. RSV enters the body through inhalation of respiratory droplets containing the virus or through contact with contaminated surfaces. The virus particles, which are spherical in shape, carry specialized proteins on the surface. Now, these proteins play a crucial role in the initial attachment of the virus to the respiratory epithelial cells. As you recall from your anatomy and physiology, epithelial cells are those that cover both the inside and outside of surfaces within the body. It binds to specific receptors on the surface of these cells, increasing the stickiness factor of the adhesion process. When RSV enters the respiratory tract, it primarily infects the epithelial cells that line the airways, including the nose, throat, 
bronchi, and bronchioles. As the virus starts replicating within these cells, the body's immune system recognizes the presence of foreign invaders. Immune cells, such as macrophages and neutrophils, are recruited to the site of the infection. These cells literally engulf and attempt to destroy the virus. Think of it as a blob that circles around them and basically dissolves them. Chemical signals called cytokines and chemokines are released to recruit more immune cells to the area. An RSV infection triggers an inflammatory response, leading to swelling and mucus production in the airways. This is where the problems begin. This can obstruct the airway and cause respiratory distress. In response to the infection, the body's immune cells release inflammatory mediator cells. These substances trigger the inflammation that we talked about in the airways, resulting in swelling that can easily obstruct airflow. So not only are we seeing a problem with mucus, but the airways now begin to get smaller themselves. As we talked a little bit ago, it can lead to increased mucus production, which is an attempt to trap and expel the virus from the airways. However, excessive mucus production can contribute to congestion and make breathing even worse. In infants and young children, RSV often leads to bronchiolitis, characterized by inflammation and narrowing of the small airways or the bronchioles. This can result in wheezing and difficulty breathing. In severe cases, RSV can affect the alveoli in the lungs, leading to pneumonia. This can cause oxygenation problems and severe respiratory distress because the alveoli can lead can fill with pus, and a gas in a liquid cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Therefore, the gas, in this case oxygen and carbon dioxide, are prevented from entering the alveoli. Ultimately, this is known as a VQ mismatch. You don't have enough gas, you got plenty of circulation, and because you have this mismatch, nothing gets circulated around to the body. RSV can manifest with a wide range of symptoms, which can vary in severity. Some of the common, some of the common symptoms include persistent dry cough is a hallmark symptom of RSV. Patients may also have nasal congestion or discharge, as we talked about a little bit earlier. Fever is common, especially in infants and young children, as well as in your geriatric population. This can make the sudden onset of dehydration quicker and even more worse. Wheezing and rapid breathing are often seen, particularly in infants and in those who have some type of immunodeficient system, such as patients that are potentially suffering from the HIV virus or those who are immunocompromised because of transplants. In severe cases, cyanosis can occur due to oxygen deprivation. It's critically important that you remember that cyanosis is going to be a late, late sign. Patients may show signs of respiratory distress, such as flaring nostrils, retractions, and use of accessory muscles for breathing. Patients may become lethargic and just simply not eat or drink. As a result of poor reserves, both for the very young and the very old, they may become very dehydrated. You as the paramedic are going to play a crucial role in assessing and managing patients with RSV. Here are the key steps in treating the patient with this disease. Always begin, regardless of what the problem is, begin with a thorough assessment. This includes your vital signs, your O2 set, 
and respiratory rate and lung sounds. Even in this situation, I would strongly encourage you to utilize your entitled CO2 to help to determine whether a VQ mismatch exists or not. Administer supplemental oxygen, especially to maintain the O2 sat levels above 90%. This is really important, especially if your patient has got any kind of concomitant respiratory disease, such as asthma or emphysema. Ensure hydration, especially in those on the opposite extremes of the age spectrum, the very young, the very old, who may have difficulty feeding or even drinking due to respiratory distress. Now, ultimately, it depends upon what your local protocols are, but a bronchodilator is going to help, such as like albuterol, to relieve the wheezing. Take your patient to an appropriate medical facility. If you've got a pediatric patient, if you can take them to a pediatric center, would be good. For older patients, uh, your hospital should be fine as far as being able to, uh, to deal with it. Make sure that you accurately and thoroughly document the patient's presentation, vital signs, as well as your interventions, because this is going to be really important for continuity of care, as well as for tracking once you drop your patient off at the hospital. In conclusion, RSV is a viral respiratory infection with a wide range of symptoms affecting individuals of all ages, especially those very young and very old. You as a paramedic should be skilled in recognizing the signs and symptoms of RSA and providing appropriate treatment to ensure the best outcomes for your patient. Collaboration with healthcare facilities and adherence to infection control measures are critical components of managing RSV cases in the field. Thanks again for joining me today on this podcast. Next week's episode is entitled, You Can't Treat What You Don't Find. The assessment skills of the paramedic are the most important ones that she presents. In this episode, we'll take a look at how to have an organized assessment routine of our pediatric patients. Thanks for joining.